Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, we scrutinize, well, okay, most of us analyze and scrutinize, and then there's Heather, but anyways... We plunder the parts of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm the non-scrutinizing Heather from blackpearlminute.com. Yeah, you forgot where you were even, you're like, huh, what is the name of this show? That's ah, I, <laughs> what is this? Where am I? Who am I? That's because I added something. It was out of, out of yeah. Anyway. See, now the progression is, well, okay, we're seeing wine in action here. As it gets further along in the week... We see the wine effects on Heather. So thanks for joining us for minute 41 of Slurring Dead Man's Chest. In the previous minute, it's all about giving your child the skills they'll need to become healthy, self-supporting, functional adults that are contributing members of society. Why not start your kids off right by handing over a knife and fork and letting them join in the festivities of a good old barbecue? How do you like your pirate? Medium well. Well done, please. And let's not forget those classic picnic games, rolling in a bone cage. And playing tag with your cannibal spear-wielding friends. Ah, the memories. It's like a down-home picnic. Something I would see in Andy Griffith. Barbecue, bone cage rolling, the bone orb. Spear-throwing. Spear-throwing, another classic. They call that the javelin these days. (laughs) Minute 41 begins with Chief Jack hopping off the stone wall and approaching the cannibal boy. Jack grabs the boy's knife, causing him to run off, while a couple of fruit basket-toting, stone-faced Pelagostos women stare on. Boy, that's a tongue twister. Yes, it is. Thanks, canned response. (laughs) You're welcome. I was trying to think if they were both women, but I guess, yeah. Oh, they are. Yeah. Well, you're a scrutinizer. You're... You're really no, on the no, ball no, over I, there. I'm thinking later in the minute. Because you got your beer goggles on? Don't talk to me that way. <laughs> the minute <laughs> the minute ends with Will Turner, Gibbs, and the rest of the escaped Motley crew swimming for their lives as the Pelagosos hurl spears and shoot arrows at the fleeing and dodging pirates. Jack continues to have his hands full with the attacking Pelagosos women. And that's where we end. Wow. Yeah. His hands are full. He's playing with a lot of fruit there. A lot of... Hand fruit That's a action. woman, not a man. Yeah, it's a woman. The one that catches it? Yeah, both women. That was a man. It's a man, baby. <laughs> That's not your mother. It's a man, baby. I'm so inserting <laughs> That's what Austin I still Powers. Thought. I'm inserting Austin Powers. Scott, insert Austin Powers clip here. Oh, I said Jack really pisses off the Pelagostos man when he tries hitting him <laughs> with a coconut. Eh? Right, let me show you, baby. That ain't no woman. It's a man, man. That's just politically incorrect. <laughs> Looks like a guy. It's Pat. Scott, insert clip from SNL. Another SNL reference for the week. <laughs> That's just sad. 
it's funny because this Pelagostos person, this woman, her cannibal name is Pat the Cannibal. <laughs> it is. That's what she's credited as. No. Oh. Where did the hell did the fire come from? That's where I'm going to start. I'm going to see if you even noticed it. Where did the fire come from? The torch. It's a quick shot at the end of the minute, the very last screenshot when the minute ends. The ropes that tie Jack to the pole, they're on fire. A couple of small flames. This has to be an edit error or something. Yeah. Maybe they changed it up because I don't think we see the rope burning in the next minute or subsequent shots. It's the quick flash after he flings the coconut at the woman. The man. And she catches it and it's she's about to throw it back at him. Rope is on fire. Rope on fire. That's all I have to say. Wow, really? They must have changed it up a bit. Let's all give Heather a second to review this. Cue the elevator music, please. <laughs> so, what did you think? That's crazy, because it's not there the second before, and then it's so hard to see because it's at the very end of this minute. Just like a quick flash of it. But it's on his chest on top of it. Exactly. So where the heck did that fire come from? Spoilers. In the next minute, it cuts away so you don't even see it again. That's it. That tiny Uh, little bit. It just must have been a mess up. Well, they probably filmed it maybe at a different point or when he was hanging over the fire. They were doing something. Then they used that shot for the close-up. Yeah. And it completely was out of continuity. Huh. So that's all. I I, I just going to leave it at continuity error. Yeah. I mean, I don't typically point out the errors. It's just a quick flash. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes we point out errors depending on what it is. But this one was interesting. And that's why I brought it up. Yeah. But in general, we don't normally point we out those continuity to, yeah. errors. It just kind of ruins the yeah. spirit of the film. Yeah. But sometimes if they're keep funny. It like- or if we use cannibal wearing shoes when they're crossing the bridge and not, then those are other things. Because that's uh, practical movie making. Plus, they, they, you don't want your cannibal to stub his toe and get a giant splinter on that bridge. They camouflage the shoes to blend them in. Exactly. The script highlights the fact that the cannibal boy doesn't understand why the chief is running away. This is what we were talking about yesterday. Because they're under the impression that cooking and eating a god in human form is what he would want. It releases him from his earthly prison. Right. But I wanted to point it out is that I checked the script and it's in the script where it says that. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is a rehash alert. Let's just say this. It's a rehash alert. Jack not cooperating really is a sheer blasphemy and it's really hard for them to fathom since he, well, they believe he's their God. And he wants to be out of his human flesh. Yeah, plus he's a kid. Kids are always hungry. It's how they grow up to be big and strong. More humor really just ensues in this minute and, and we'll do so again during our stay on Pelagosto. And this is why I think it all works. I mean, there's no complaints yet, except yeah. those minor ones that I've had. Do you plan yeah, on I said minor ones. Not yet. Not necessarily. I said not yet. That was like a Freudian slip, maybe. No. I'm just saying, I do like the light bulb moment, though, after Jack tries to joust one of the women with his pole. Okay? I like that part. Yeah. Well, he penetrates the coconut instead. I mean, what? (laughs) Luckily, he penetrated the coconut instead. (laughs) Instead of the cannibal lady? Instead of the woman. Well, you thought it was a man. For one thing. no, I Not thought that the there's one anything that wrong hits, with that. I thought the one that gets hit with the coconut is a man. Well, he was trying to joust one of them, any of them. Uh, fling this at them. Good plan until that lady catches Poor that thing man. dead on. She's angry. Of course she's angry. She just got a coconut flung at her. And she really needs to see a dentist. Oh, yeah. She needs, needs to see a dentist. Yeah, she needs to see a dentist. 
That's what the surprise was moment. The dentist? Not the dentist. <laughs> dentist didn't walk out, okay? That's not a surprise. Her nasty these people. teeth? That's not the surprise. Have you seen or his everybody's nasty teeth? teeth? Really? Everybody's teeth in this minute, except Will and our main stars, is pretty nasty. The surprise is the coconut. I expected her to get nailed by it. Oh, she caught it, yeah. Gore just keeps us guessing. This time after the obvious bone cage rolling incident of 2006, Dead Man's Chest, she catches it. That's completely out of the element here. That's completely out of the anticipation of what we expect to happen. These Pelagostos are really quick. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. They set it up. And you see, okay, all this farcical, maybe kind of bordering on slapstick stuff. And then he flings the coconut. She catches it, though. Yeah. That was the unexpected moment. sprayed in the face. You never... Hey, he tries to (laughs) penetrate her with his pole. She gets sprayed in the face. She's not happy. White milky substance. Yeah, exactly. Walk the plank. I mean, she's not happy with this situation. That's why. I mean, she's like, what is this? Some kind of 70s porn thing going on here? <laughs> I mean, that's what's going on. And now she's angry about it. This whole exchange with the cannibal women, Jack taking the knife, flinging coconuts, and even the two Pelagostos women are not in the script at all. Or men. Or man. Could Jack actually... Okay, It's so not they're, in the script they're, It's not all? in the script. No. Really? No. That huh. was just brought on by Gore. It just actually completely left that over. He actually wow. gets out of there. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. There you go. So that was all brought on by Gore and kind of this improvisation or last minute script changes and writing and things like Which that. Which we've said before he does that just to make, it just makes more the film better and more personable. Yeah. Personable or personal? Personable. Personable. Personal. Personable. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking Spanish. Personable. You got that right. Speak Spanish. Yeah. Get out of here. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, I swear. Sometimes. <laughs> and I, I said shenanigans earlier. I wasn't lying. Shenanigans. It's Friday. Have, what do you expect? The sh- shenanigans and the wine. Maybe that's the title of this episode. Shenanigans and wine. Okay, here's the big question of the minute. Could Jack actually penetrate or stab that coconut? <laughs> Could he do that? Do you I'm, think that's possible? Sure. Is a stick sharp enough? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm going to have to insert a pirate yell there. Do you think, though, it's possible? It seems like it would take a lot of force to do that. It would. But did you see... Actually, let's let's be serious now. As, I have been serious this whole time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not trying to be stick, pin, stick sharp enough thing. So, at one point in time, you do see the tip of his stick. What is going <laughs> on over there? I can't even say this. That's because you're drunk. I can't even say this while laughing. But you do see the tip of his stick... And it is sharpened to a point. To a point or to a point? Is that like a colloquialism, an idiom, or is it actually a point? It's actually a point. It's sharpened to a point. A point. It's so it can stab the coconut. But I know coconuts are pretty, really, really tough. That's what I was to get into. You would have to have a lot of force going into that to get. (laughs) (laughs) Can't look at me that way when you're. <laughs> oh God, this is gonna be a mess. Oh, no, Anyways, where you were, what were you talking about? Jack's sharpened <laughs> stick. Anyways, yes, the tip of his stick. You saw, yeah, right. But a coconut. If you've ever been to Hawaii or ever seen a coconut cracked on television, thanks for that. God, that was really poignant. <laughs> they, ha- 
actually have to slam it down on this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, super hard. And it, most of the time, it's like something metal, like this metal pointy thing. Metal stick. Yeah. Spike. And so they have to slam it on down on that to actually get to start to peel the sucker. Or spike in general. But. Right. So I'm not sure this bamboo is actually strong enough or, or sharp he enough. He could get a force on it, like as he's running with it, without that running pole. with your bending over. Because the pole, I think, would slide backwards. Ben, what is going on over there? How dare you! This is gone. A this mess. is a PG thirteen ish show. So, and you're taking it into our level right. territory. And like you said, and at that point in time, with that much force, with the with the pole, the stick. Actually, slide back yeah, off his I'm back thinking. rather than, and then he'd he'd do a head dive into the coconuts. I don't know if it'd go that far back, but I think it would stop him. Yeah, right. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. That's all I got for that. The coconut penetrating. Yeah, action. I'm not sure. It's a good question. I don't think that. Well, it's an okay question for an analyzing scrutinizing podcast. I would think you, like you said, I would I would think you need more of a base behind it holding it. So it's not going to slide back. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Getting back to the script because we got off track there. It's not we just didn't a, really kind of. They got it got into weird territory. The oh, euphemisms were a flying. Let's just say that because <laughs> the script, as I was mentioning, it's not just a rundown of the final film product, but the release script by Terry Rossio is what I was looking at, and he says it's one of the last, if not the last, production drafts that I have here. Apparently, he released this draft to the public because people were selling it. The version, which I'll post to our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group, was written during the spring and summer of 2005 in Los Angeles and on location on the islands of St. Vincent, Dominica, and the Bahamas. He says in this letter that's attached to the script that he used Movie Magic screenwriter software for those interested in picking up the software themselves, and there they go. You know what software he used, okay? He also says that there are some changes from... What is here to the final film, mostly attributed to improvisations, last second rewrites, and editing choices. So that's why maybe the women show up. Right. Or men. Or man. As I said, not that we're judging. As I said, apparently people were selling fuzzy unfinished copies of the script on eBay. So he released this one for educational purposes and to frustrate those selling it. So they were selling like bootlegged copies on the internet at the time. And he's like, hell with that. I'm going to release this, and then you guys can't make money off of it. Hmm. Jerks is the idea of it. So Those I thought that was interesting. jerks need to be called jerks. I don't know. Way to go, Heather. Good job. <laughs> Since Heather really wants to talk about the women so much, we have two credited cannibal women here, Heather. The one who almost gets smacked in the face with a coconut is known as Tall Cannibal Woman. Credited as Cannibal Woman, though. She's known as Tall Cannibal Woman, but is credited as Cannibal Woman in the movie. She was played by Natsuko Ohama, and Natsuko is racking up the parts with 34 credits under her belt, spanning 1979 through 2011. I'm sorry, Natsuko. I thought you were a man. You should be. She has lots of TV episode one-offs. She was a pedicurist in Bad Santa. Oh, I remember that lady. Do? No, you don't, you liar. How dare you? (laughs) Mrs. Camino and Speed. Ah, the classic 90s Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock movie about an out-of-control bus. Mm-hmm. Was she on the bus? Yeah, she was on the bus. And the professor in the original Flatliners. And since those were really about the only movies I could identify offhand, uh, that's what we'll just keep it at those. <laughs> she has her own website, which is shocking for a lot of these people that we look up. 
Not sure how current it actually is. It's like this old school flash site that it's really showing its age. Mostly she's been working as a voice coach and was even head of voice progression program at University of Southern California, among many, many other teaching credits and private coaching and voice work. She's odd, which is odd because she did not speak. That's true. That she became a voice coach for not speaking. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Sounds and smells like a conspiracy here. Yeah. Well, she frightened people into giving her these jobs because she was a cannibal. Oh, that's a good way to go. There you go. The second woman is known as, I'm sorry, large cannibal woman, but credited as cannibal woman. Tall cannibal woman and, and large, large cannibal woman. Yeah, but oh, they're just lady. credited as cannibal women. Well, that's good. At least they credit her as exactly. just cannibal woman. She's played by Josie Depar. She has 14 acting credits to her resume spanning 1991 and 2016. Most of those are in short films, but other notable bid production is 1997's Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones and I think Anne Heche. Was that who else was in that? Maybe. Anyway, yeah, uh, I think so. Josie was survivor number one, so you probably remember her. I do. Remember, actually, we went to see Volcano in the theater. Not that we want to date ourselves. Every time you say Volcano, I think Joe versus a Volcano. And so I'm getting a little... We were youngsters back in 1997. Ah, the youngsters. Oh, we were. God, we've been together God, forever. Those <laughs> that scares the paint off the wall. But remember... <laughs> it's been a little too long. That movie, and for some reason I remember, because this was the only movie that we've ever gone to, or I've ever gone to, where there was a problem with the reel, and it broke right, maybe oh. like 10, 10, 15 minutes, or maybe actually it was right when the volcano stuff started to happen, and LA was all about to go to hell or something. Not that long into the picture. And the reel broke, and they had to basically they said you could wait around for the next showing, I think, or they would refund you or something like that. Yeah, I I, I vaguely remember that. That's why I remember that. Wow. But movie. That's the only reason I remember the movie is because we were escorted out. It's the only movie that there was ever a problem. Did we in wait the around? I'm sure as tiny tots with nothing else on the horizon to do that we day. We waited around. Yeah, we probably hung around the theater. Yeah, probably. People watched. In the old school days, you played video games. I think we played some video games, actually. Probably one of the rare times we actually put money in video games at a movie theater. Yeah, it wasn't very often we would do such a thing. If ever. Yeah. But waiting around for the next showing, that's, I think, we what we did. We probably did. I, I kind of remember us sitting there. Actually, oh, when's that mom going to come pick us up? No, we could drive. <laughs> when's mom going to come do that? Damn it, mom. Why are you late? Oh, we weren't waiting for oh, mom. okay. We weren't that young, unfortunately. Moms were waiting in the background, <laughs> chaperones. <laughs> I see you two down there. Don't hold hands. <laughs> unfortunately, we were not that young. I'm trying to paint a picture of two youthful people, and you're oh. going smacking that down. How I'm dare sorry. You? Yes, we were eight years old. <laughs> eight years old. Jesus. <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> Speaking of things of the memories, I should play some memory music. If you hear this, then you go, oh, yeah, he's talking on the show in the future. But now memory music has already played in the background in the past of this episode. It's weird how that works. It's like it sounds like it's live. But now he's saying that it's like he's going to magically put in memory music like he's remembering something. The harp music for the volcano scene. But anyways, all our listeners probably think we're really old now. You did that. I painted us a picture of Tiny Tots being dropped off and. 
Waiting going for to the mom movies. and dad? I had one of those like bracelets that connected my mom to me while we were holding hands going to the theater. <laughs> it was it was little a, leashes, uh, a, a little... leash that was on your back, actually. Yeah, whatever it was. It was one of those ones. Yeah. It's kind of what it was, right? <laughs> Damn it. Now, I know we're all looking forward to moving off the island of Pelagosto. I think I'm ready to move off the island of Pelagosto. Oh, please. Because I think the cannibal thing has run its course for yeah. us here. We can't talk about long pork much longer. Yeah. People are going, why do they keep talking about Longport? Well, god dang it, we're on Cannibal <laughs> Island still. How long are we going to be on here? But hey, I have to mention the dapper hats of our fine esteemed cannibal friends before we leave this good island. One of those dudes chasing Will and Company, you can see it decently when they're looking down on the Motley crew swimming. When the bone cage is exploded in the water, they're all free and swimming. Well, it didn't quite explode. Okay, you know they what? They took like, the top to off it. I was making it exciting for the listeners. Oh, okay. It crashes down into it the water. It crashes down. Crumbles. Some pieces broke off. Thank you. And then they were able to open the top and... Boy, I'm sure glad you, know. you don't make movies. It'd be really, really exciting. Oh, I'd make an exciting you movie. You wouldn't make an exciting movie. Anyways, this guy's shooting arrows. It includes arrows. lots of puppies. Yeah, that's what I just thought. <laughs> it looks like he's wearing a ribcage hat. This one guy. This cannibal guy. He's got a ribcage hat on. Wow. That guy puts the well-dressed and elegant. You got that right. If you have a human ribcage hat, heck, the ribcage of any animal is a hat. All eyes are on you whenever you enter a room. You are the top dog. Trying to land a big job? Start a new career? (laughs) I suggest the bold move of a ribcage hat. They'll surely remember you after the interview. Just make sure your knife and your fork don't fall out of your briefcase. Because that could be the deal breaker right there. But ribcage hats. Always a good way to get you recognized. beef. Yeah. You know, that looks an awful light like a human skeleton on your head. <laughs> Come on. Just a small cow. <laughs> a little veal here. Yeah. Oh, poor veal. I got to give a thumbs up to the underwater cinematography as well. The what? The water cinematography as well. <laughs> this has been image of Bootstrap Bill. It's like a baby list of my favorite things, okay? This is kind of what's been going on here. Because okay. I mentioned the, the ribcage hat, you know. Yeah. The water shot. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise always does underwater shots well. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is, but they excel at them. I mean, this happens to be more of a cliche scene. The arrows narrowly missing our heroes as they swim away. The arrows pierce the water, leaving a trail of bubbles. I mean, yeah, it's not unique like other underwater shots that we've had in the franchise or the movies. But it is done nicely here. Were you thinking that the rib cage wouldn't break or the bone cage wouldn't break? Got rib cage on the brain. The bone cage wouldn't break and they'd actually sink to the bottom and all drown. I don't even know what to say to that. What kind of... You're like, got it. I can't... I thought the Motley crew would last longer, but they just <laughs> petered out. Minute 40, 41, they're all done. They're toast. No, but I did think that it would break finally. I thought, if anything, it's going to break. It won't break anywhere else, but it's going to break when it goes down the uh, rolling down ravine the hill. and then hits the sides and the yeah. water. It would shatter. Could you imagine being in that thing when it's falling and hitting the side? I'd rather be in that than just bouncing off the walls myself. Oh, that's true. At least that has some bone cushion there. Yes. Also, because my baby list of favorite things. I don't have much to really say on the music in this minute or even the last minute, but I figured I'd point it out and just leave it at that because, like I said, I don't really have anything for it. There's some variations on pieces we've encountered before, but we do have Wheel of Fortune... Rolling ball cages and Cannibal Island Escape that weave in the next minutes and this minute uh, all the way up kind of before the beach chase. So, or if there's a beach chase. 
if there's a cannibal spoiler alert if there's one this music would lead up to that and there's three different pieces as i mentioned is this dog involved in the supposed beach chase i wouldn't know i've never seen the movies before oh okay and apparently we'll have to like wait you've never out. seen the movies and still haven't seen the movies even though we talk about them <laughs> <laughs> really yeah that's you where need, i'm going you need the gesture <laughs> really we have to go there I don't really want to see your middle finger right now. If that's oh, it's not the middle finger. Oh, it means the same thing. Since I need to cover up my spoiler, the spoiler of what Heather does behind the scenes here with her fingers. And that's not, not my a human. It's not a it's euphemism. A <laughs> How about we tackle really bad eggs? That's the segment where we highlight our favorite lines from the last six minutes. What you got for us, Heather? I know it's slim pickings these last two weeks, really. At least in regards to plot and symbols and all that jazz. So what do you have that's going to invigorate us in your wine-induced state? Lift it like a lady skirt. Really? You went with that? Wow. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, this is while the pirates are in the bone cage and need to start running. Will says, "Lift lift it. And then Gibbs says, lift it like a lady skirt. It's a good line. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So the way they were actually lifting the bone cage would actually be the way a lady would lift her skirt if she's walking oh, downstairs or something, right? Yeah, kind of right. Is. So, especially back in the day when you actually had long billowy skirts with like an undercarriage, right? Made of bone. Undercarriage. Or <laughs> It's a man speak. That's how a man would say it. See the first season for the... See season number one for all the talk about dresses. Yeah. Okay. It'll explain there. But so that would be a way a lady would lift her skirt, right? Yeah. A man would lift her skirt completely different. Yes. Yeah. He would lift it forward, right? He would reach forward. Do we need the visuals here? But I'm just saying. So what does this mean? That Gibbs and his fellow pirates wear lady skirts often? I think they know how the ladies are going to lift it, but they all know what it's like. Especially since they had the undercarriage supporting these <laughs> dresses that they knew that they have to lift them because they're the way that they're kind of semi-solid, if you will. Yeah. So there you go. So but, he's just basically saying lift it the way a lady would lift her skirt. Oh, no. Not the way we would lift a skirt. Oh, I think he's saying the way we would lift a skirt. You're getting in too it- much. Because they, they got to lift differently. it. They got, they're in the cage. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you try to change that? You try to make the pirates nice guys. These are pirates, madam. Yeah, These are but people that visit Tortuga and ladies of the night and I, winches. I got that. So they would lift the skirts with their arms out in front of them, right? A man would lift a lady's skirt. I don't care. Not the man like doesn't care how he's going to lift it. He just wants that skirt up. <laughs> but he's not putting his arms out to the side and lifting the skirt like They got to carry the bone cage. Are you really going to go down this aisle? Yeah. I can't believe this. <laughs> That's where you went with this. That's where I went. I, I don't even know. I mean, I was going to go with Gibbs saying lift it like a lady's skirt from minute 40. I mean, I had these grand visions of this old rough saying. See, this is the difference between me and you. <laughs> you go where you did. And I'm thinking, maybe it's an old sailor's saying or some historical thing. Figured it would have this historical context to it. Not that it would change the meaning of it, but I abandoned my search rather quickly. And I would have abandoned it a lot sooner had I known what Heather was going to do. But Google revealed the saying was no more 
near where I was really expecting it go or apparently as exciting as actual skirt lifting videos. I mean, okay, people, what's with you out there on the internet? Seriously, what is with you people out there on the internet? Can't we have nice things? I mean, really, honestly. First results for lift it like a lady's skirt, skirt lifting and slow motion video. Girl lifting her sexy little skirt. Part one. Freaking part one. That means there's multiple parts to this. The first four results were videos. Need I say more about the world we live in? Lift it like a lady's skirt. Yeah, and now Google has flagged me and turned me into the FBI. Dang it. That's why I went with Leech in minute 37 in response to Will. He says, actually, you wouldn't need everyone. About six would do. That's a boring line. Lift it like a lady's skirt is better. It's not so much about the line itself there, Heather, that I want to highlight. I talked about the backstabbing nature of pirates in regards to this in an episode covering minute 37, I think. Here, I want to say how I love the acting. Mostly the authentic reaction from Leech, Gibbs, Cotton, and Will. It's like classic. This is great acting here. I feel I'm in the moment with them. The looks alone say it all. Even Will, the good one of the bunch. He's the good guy here. Right. Looks at Gibbs first kind of asking with his eyes and his motions, his expression, should we hustle now and climb this ravine? (laughs) And Gibbs gives him the look, hell yeah. Absolutely perfect. And Leech drives home the point with a shaky, oh dear. (laughs) not only humorous but effective in telling the well telling us about the loyalty of a pirate crew and i like the humor of this kind of stuff better than the -the over-the-top gags that we sometimes get and i didn't say that the others don't work i've already said that before i didn't want you casting aspersions at me but i like this kind of humor better you put that little disclosure in there yeah lift your preconceived notions over there like a lady's skirt (laughs) how dare you so that's why I went that. I really, I can't believe you analyzed it so deeply that you looked at it like a lady's skirt. Like comparing how a lady would lift it and a man would lift it. They're well, inside it. They got to be in it like it's a dress. Okay. Right. So I put myself inside the cage. No, no. See, here's where you're wrong. I'm going to tell you right now. If Gibbs and Will and the rest of the Motley crew were on the outside of the bone cage and he said lift it like a lady's skirt, he would lift it like they were lifting a lady's skirt. Correct. If they're inside the cage... By default, they have to lift it like a lady would actually lift her skirt. Right. But that's going too far because the pirates are just saying, let's just lift the lady's skirt. I don't care how you do it. I want that skirt up. (laughs) That's all they're saying. Did you see one more thing? Oh, my God. This is not it. We're in really bad eggs. What? Marty. Marty, again? What the hell is your (laughs) infatuation with Marty? Marty must have been straddling one of the rings, one of the bones, because his little legs were going. <laughs> hey, I'm not even going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> you can see his legs dangling. I like that. I know. I thought it was cool. He's like high-centered there. Right. But he was trying to help. He was running. You got a real unhealthy relationship with Marty right now. I like Marty. Oh, another minute checked off. I also have to get in touch with a few people we were going to have on the show. Our schedules are a bit crazy, so it makes it difficult for guests usually. But we have some eager people that have contacted us in the past. Now, see, now they're not going to come on the show because you called them eager beavers. (laughs) Eager beavers. Eager beavers. (laughs) It's a new term I've coined. Anyways, yeah. I got to reach out to them and get that going. So 
I mean, it's always fun to have different perspectives. Like I said, sometimes our schedule is crazy, but we did yeah. promise them and we've had promises sometimes on them for a while. Sometimes we're a little crazy for yeah, others. Yeah, exactly. So not that my solid gold insight isn't enough for everybody out there, but heck, some variety is nice every once in a while. And it's good to get some different perspectives, some different pirate perspectives on these movies that are loved by all kinds of people as well. Yep. Give some uh, people a chance to sound off on what they think is going on. So I'll do that. And so we'll have some guests at some point in the future. And we'll go from there. Okay. That way you can go, oh my God, it's a nice break. Scott didn't sing. He was on his best behavior. <laughs> All that stuff. And we'll go, people will go, are, are you the same people? Oh, why, well, no. yes, we are. <laughs> and then they leave and we're like, oh, hell's breaking loose. God dang it. <laughs> No, euphemisms fly. We got to see if we can harness all that and keep it in the show when we even have guests on. We'll see what happens. So yeah, guests are coming. So you know who you are out there. Keep a weather eye out for the email. Oh yeah, they know who they are. So all I have to say is because it's Friday, let's get uh, hammered. Or I mean, in your case, more hammered. Yes! We'll be back on Monday with Minute 42 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. And for all you guys out there, it's the weekend, so... Lift it like a lady's skirt. Have fun. <laughs> Great baby, yeah! Oh, behave. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed. Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and season two is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, soundcloud.com slash pirates of the caribbean that's for best of clips and by all means give us a plug and review on itunes we'd appreciate it mateys oh and let's not forget the facebook cursed crew listeners group for post episode discussions that's actually a lot to remember especially if you're in a foggy haze like heather just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button perhaps i should have just said that from the beginning This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.